Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's Sunday, and for the first Sunday in the last couple weeks, the uh, threat of severe weather is actually pretty low today. I know. It's a miracle. It's Yeah, the last two Sundays have been pretty significant days, so it's nice to just have a chill weekend, you know, a little it, break. Yeah, it really is. You know, start with the Easter Sunday outbreak, and... Mm-hmm. Gosh, that was pretty intense. Last Sunday was really intense. Uh, but this week was also pretty, pretty intense. And as you said before we started taping, it's spring season, finally. And we now see that coming to fruition in terms of weather and the crazy things that come with spring severe weather. Yes. A um, lot of active days this past week, including two in Oklahoma. Um, and it looks to be the same coming up this week. We have two days with some chances, the second day looks better. So, yeah, spring is definitely here, uh, running and gunning. It's right. exciting. No, it totally is. And, you know, you mentioned what happened Wednesday. You guys had, you know, tornadoes that were um, in the southwest part or southeast part of the state and, you know, some pretty intense storms. We uh, saw one of those on the Weather Channel, I want to say. Um, gosh, where was it? Um, in Medill, Oklahoma, in, in, yes. in Marshall County. Uh, really cool. You know, it was, a one of those storms that was classically beautiful, moved through an area that really wasn't that populated, you know, not saying that Medill, Oklahoma is a major metropolitan area because obviously it's not, but you saw this tornado basically form and it was one of those cool storms that you see that you don't see necessarily condensation funnel. You don't see the, the condensate. But you didn't really understand it was a twister until it hit a patch of this really red dirt road and then hit a building and got all the debris kicked up in it. And then all of a sudden, boom, the funnel appears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It looked like it it really did look like a big old pile of dust just blowing at you. And so, yeah, you're right. You couldn't see it until it hit our classic signature red dirt that we have around here. And then all of a sudden, bam, a red tornado is blowing through town. Yeah, and it hit a it hit a I want to say it was a, some type of storage facility or manufacturing yeah. plant, um, and it ripped that thing to shreds. Um, mm-hmm. There was a fatality associated with it, and you know, well, again, we never want to see anybody's lives lost, but from a weather perspective, to see a storm like this, and it was, I mean, the way that this storm was formed, it was a classic supercell, but. It was one of those low precipitation supercells. There wasn't a lot of rain with this. Yeah. And, you know, you saw the rainbow from a little bit of the moisture that was falling. But, I mean, it was blue sky directly behind the tornado. And if you're chasing, that's where you want to be. You want to be on that, you know, probably southwest side as as the storm moved to the east. But just, you know, watching this storm form and watching it do the damage was really awe inspiring and Again, we don't want to see any lives lost, but just to have one one fatality is one too many, but it could have been much worse. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like you said, that area of Oklahoma is not heavily populated in a lot of spots, but 
it's still, so it's really crazy that it hit a very small town in the middle of nowhere and actually ended up taking a life, you know? And so that's just why you always have to be aware. And that was a crazy day. Those storms were lined up, like basically like one on top of each other going north. There was about four storms between Oklahoma City and the Red River right there, kind of along I-35, that all four were tornado warned at one point, just marching east. So, and, you know, as we always say, the her had it. I mean, if you if you look at the her and what it predicted, that's exactly what it had. And so um, that just shows you technology is getting better. And that's really yep. comforting, knowing that going forward, we can rely on them a little bit more to tell us what's going to happen. So... It nailed it for me. It did. And, you know, the models did a really good job the next day when that, you know, severe weather threat finally shifted off to the east again, an area Mm -hmm. that it didn't need to be in because we had already seen, again, what happened Easter and then last Sunday. But, you know, some really big tornadoes moved through parts of, you know, Alabama, Georgia, the Florida panhandle. And some of the videos that we were seeing coming out of this were really impressive. A lot of them were pretty weak. There were a couple strong storms, but, you know, you had a couple EF0s, a couple EF2s, but mm-hmm. there was a radar shot that was sent in some of the different radar groups that you and I follow where it showed three consecutive supercells training after each other. All of them tornado warned. All of them had tornadoes on the ground at the exact same time. That, to wow. me, was really fascinating to see. Oh, yeah, 100%, especially because you think – that the first supercell and then maybe the second supercell worked over that part of the atmosphere. Like how was there still enough fuel right there to keep them going and keep them tornadic? So, I mean, that just, that just shows you, this is the time of year where that those ingredients are in abundance in a lot of spots in the atmosphere in parts of the country. And so that's why when these outlooks come out and the watches and the warnings come out, they really, really need to be taken seriously. You know, you make a valid point there. A lot of people would say, you know, hey, how, you know, you have a severe a thunderstorm move through, you have a supercell, you have a tornadic, whatever you want to call it. How does that not eat up all the ingredients? Well, it's pretty, you know, pretty easy to explain. One storm uh-huh. is not going to completely erode everything out. It's going to take that potential energy and it transforms into, you know, what you see as the supercell or what you see as the tornadic thunderstorm. But those ingredients still exist. You're not completely, you know, removing all potential energy out of the atmosphere. So that's how these storms can form back to back to back. Well, and sometimes those kinds of things like, you know, the moisture and everything like that is still being funneled in. Absolutely. You know, like it's still being advected in from the Gulf or from wherever. And so the storm might use up what was there for the moment, but then more gets pushed in. And so that's, you know, that's all about jet stream. That's all about wind speed and things like that in the, in the atmosphere. So, you know, you kind of just have to wait until it's all used up and there's none left. And, you know, we found that Tuesday night here right in Oklahoma where that's when the first severe weather started in Oklahoma and it was further West and it was pretty intense. We saw a lot of hail and flooding. Me and you were watching it together. And, yes, we were. You know, there was a lot of, there was actually some tornado action that happened south of Oklahoma City. But we saw these big storms as soon as they hit Oklahoma City and more just uh, poofed into nothing because we had drier air. We had more stable air. And so it's crazy to watch it go from one radar scan to the next radar scan and it has dropped significantly in intensity. And then by the next one, it's basically gone. That shows you that it has to have that fuel 
They can't run on fumes. And so as soon as the ingredients are gone, boom, dead, gone, nothing. Yeah, you know, and, away. exactly. And I mean, you're you're much smarter than I am when it comes to, you know, the severe weather meteorology. And, you know, those of you that also listen to the show, um, shout to Clyde there with the toy. We love Clyde. I know he can't help himself. I swear. It's he fine. always has to put in his two cents. He, he does. And you know what? <laughs> he, he makes total sense. He agrees with me. He knows that you are much smarter than I am when it comes to severe weather, which is great. But, you know, here here's my question. We talk about needing the inv- the available ingredients, right? So in the cases like where you saw in Florida, where you had these three storms training after each other and all of them, you know, were in that prime atmosphere, you know, the forward motion of these storms were pretty fast. Obviously, we know the jet stream was driving a lot of this action. But with that said, it just proves your point. You know, it's not going to erode everything. The moisture is still there. The instability is still there. And that stuff can backfill very quickly. Yes, yeah, so. and I think that's a lot of what it is, is it's backfill until that area of the jet stream shifts directions and is no longer pulling in all of that right. moisture and everything, you know, into that particular area where everything meets up perfectly to create a supercell. And that's that's literally what you do is you wait for that to change, for the ingredients to shift and for there not to be the fuel there that's needed for the supercells. And right. that's that's... That's our life every spring is picking out where the most favorable ingredients, the most abundance of ingredients are to be like, okay, this is the area of concern. Well, I mean, let's go back and talk about Wednesday. You were saying, you know, yeah, you and I were watching, you know, live storm coverage and having a blast. But it was funny because, you know, where you are in Moore and parts of Oklahoma City, you guys were still in that southerly flow. You guys Mm -hmm. were on the south side of the warm front. But you were still getting pretty active thunderstorms on the north side of that warm front, but definitely not severe. You know, lots of thunder, lots of lightning, a little bit of hail here and there. But, you know, you're looking at an area that, you know, if you really want to parcel it out, was less than maybe, what, three or four miles. Right. And, you know, there was no real visible defining line. Even the radar was like, you know, you can't necessarily see where this is. But that just speaks to, you know, the awesomeness that is weather because you have that. You have that, you know, either, you know, clear line or not clear line. But within that area, you saw where storms were able to live in that severe, you know, mode and storms that were able to just kind of pop up and eh, garden variety thunderstorm. Okay, yeah, thunder and lightning, no big deal. But it was really cool to see that where, you know, again, it was a difference of three or four miles. Yeah. And, and that's true. It it was literally, you know, take a few steps and bam, you're in favorable environment, right? Take a few steps the other direction and you're not. And then, you know, that night it really hinged a lot on dew points and the air was just drier over me and central and, and a little further East, Eastern Oklahoma. Right. Um, it was just drier. And that was, that was part of the issue, but, um, Western Oklahoma really got hammered. I, I believe that was Tuesday, right? That we were watching yes. all that together. And yes, yeah, so Western Oklahoma, they there were some spots that got hit with two or three supercells over the course of that evening and they got a lot of hail, they got a lot of rain. Um we saw all that that those hail pictures and that hail damage was crazy. It was crazy and you know, we sit there and we look at it. And again, you know, we're saying, you know, it's a a matter of steps or miles. The thing is, though, we really don't know how that how thick that dividing line is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I wish and I wish we that's would. That's the deal. That's why yeah. we don't. That's why we don't know exactly defining where 
the storms will pop and where they won't because it it just varies between favorable and non-favorable environments. Right. And I, I would love, and I'm sure that there are, like I said, are much smarter people out there when it comes to this stuff, but I would love to see a paper research. I would love to see just even maybe a rule of thumb of like, how do you anticipate or how do you guess how that boundary layer is? How thick is it? How, you know, distance wise is it, is it a matter of feet? Is it a matter of a mile or some unit of measurement? Um, and again, I'm guessing this probably not the same. It's not textbook. It's not, you know, defined. It's going to be this. But just to have a better idea of how thick or how shallow that boundary is would really be, you know, I think very beneficial. Well, and I think that would take, you know, launching weather balloons along an estimated right. boundary to get a gauge of, you know, right here, it is favorable, but then two miles north, it's not. So you can kind of see, okay, well, here's where it starts to change over. And here it's kind of right. this width, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, so that would take some funding to get some balloons to line up along, along it, that. But it really would. Something and, to propose to somebody somewhere right. at some point. <laughs> and again, you know, we've talked about vertical profilers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, trying to have that to look at winds and all that. Again, another instrument that'd be really great for this, but you know, there's just not a whole lot of them out there. Um, and, you know, I know I mentioned this on the show. We had one out here for a while and it's now no longer being funded. So it's been taken offline. So it's like, oh, cool. We had this great, you know, vertical profile to look at storms uh, during the winter. And then all of a sudden it's taken offline and we no longer have it. So. Yeah. Well, and, you know, at least being able to measure dew point temperatures right. a lot and, you know, in more de density, I guess, is good. That helps a little bit. But, you know, it's not all about moisture. Certainly is quite a bit about moisture, but still, um, at least there's that part that we can look at to see partially why storms aren't forming in some areas due to drier air. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and I got to give you guys props in Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Mesonet setup that you guys have is fantastic. I mean, it oh, seems yeah. it seems that everybody has a weather station that's on this. And yeah. if they don't, it's not more than one. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there are tons of mesonetworks across the U.S. The West Coast one is pretty awesome. Um, it's run, I believe, out of the University of Utah, and they handle all of the West Coast. But um, it's fantastic to see. And, you know, again, this is why we love people that have backyard weather you know, stations. I unfortunately can't have one living in a condo right now, and it kills me. But, you know, oh, well, there are, there are things that I'll do during weather where I'll put one up anyways and i don't care if my neighbors say anything so they can deal with it um, exactly this is for science yeah exactly this is science so deal with it um <laughs> and you really have an issue the hoa can write me a letter and whatever i won't get into that today but um you know i i love the fact that they are they have these instruments and you know i get it the national weather service does a great job with a lot of their stuff the asos stations that we have at the airports are fantastic but airports are spaced out and yeah. you know, you're not going to find one next to each other. So that's why I really like a mesonet network. I love, you know, looking at what you guys have in Oklahoma. The one in Texas is, imp is impressive. Um, so that's really cool because there you can look at, you know, your neighbor, say, maybe 300 yards away. And if he has a weather station that's up and running and yours is running and there's a difference there of, you know, you're at 75 and he's at 50. Yeah. You know, it's, it's and that good. That shows to know. you where the line starts. Exactly. Yeah. The divide, the division. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's why I love that stuff. I'm just bummed. I need to get a weather station. Yes, I you really do. do. Yes, you do. We'll work on that for you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start like a GoFundMe. <laughs> you, hey, we both got stimulus checks. We can we can use some of that. There you go. There you go. We're stimulating the economy one weather station at a time. <laughs> yeah, we're stimulating the economy and we're stimulating science. Exactly. So it's a win-win-win. It's a win-win. <laughs> I love it. I love when science comes together. Sorry. Right. It's nice. It is nice. Um, but, you know, the storms were really cool to see. And again, like we said, they marched progressively eastward uh, throughout the course of the week. Some tornadoes around Florida, Alabama, southern Georgia, like we talked about. And, you know, they just kind of stayed in that area. It came back a little bit back into the Midwest. Again, there was another tornado. Um, I think there are three tornado reports as we got into Friday. Um, you know, apparent weekend land spout. By the way, don't call it a land spout. <laughs> Okay, it's not a land spout, folks. It's a tornado or dust devil. It's not a land spout. There is a difference. <laughs> well, it's all about how it's formed, you know, and <laughs> land spout does seem kind of like a weird It sounds term. stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it right now. It, it's a stupid term. And there aren't many of those in, in the weather field, I will say this. There's a lot of stupid terms in other sciences and other facets of life. Whether we've been pretty lucky to not have a bunch of stupid terms, at least ones that we can understand, <laughs> but land spout just seems very confusing to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And, it, yeah, it's one of those kind of unnecessary, just call spade a spade kind of thing. Right. It's like, come on, guys, we're not... <sighs> Like, don't try to complicate it. <laughs> and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's our boy Howie Bluenstein from the University of Oklahoma who came up with it in 1985. So I got much respect for Howie. Sorry, Dr. Howard Bluen. Whatever his name is, it's I'm, I'm forgive me. OK, <laughs> it's, yeah. can't handle our names around here. Can Howard Bloon. It's, it's Bluenstein. Um, research meteorologist for severe weather. He was part of Vortex. He is mm -hmm. a he has a PhD, so he is a doctor from MIT. Nineteen seventy six says a land spout is a kind of tornado not associated with a mesocyclone. Colloquial expression describing tornadoes occurring with a parent cloud in its growth stage and its vorticity originating in the boundary layer. The parent cloud does not contain a pre-existing mid-level mesocyclone. Land spout because it looks like a weak Florida Keys land spout or water spout over land. <sighs> See, so I guess that's just to distinguish. Yeah, I mean, it is like it would still do the same type of damage, but it's I guess it's more used for the science side and not the public side, but the science side to distinguish like, yeah, there was a tornado on the ground, but it wasn't a traditional tornado because it was formed differently without the mesocyclone. So according, that part makes sense, but it can confuse the public. According to Wikipedia, which, you know, is everybody's true scientific. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a science, the science manuals of all science manuals. Exactly. According to this damage, land spouts are commonly weak. However, in rare occasions, a land spout can be as strong as an EF3. Okay, if it's an EF3 strength, it's a tornado. Okay, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm not trying to make fun of the research here, and I get that it's well documented and it's published, and I get it. But if you're looking at a land spout and it's causing EF3 damage, just call it a tornado because that's what it is. <laughs> True. And I think if that was to be warned and then conveyed to the public, they probably would just say tornado 
but just for documentation's sake, you know, they would still leave it with the land spout. Because I do think that's important to know, like, stuff that doesn't, you know, forms without the mesocyclone can still be strong, you know, that sure. Might- Sure. Warrant further research. You Absolutely, know? but then I mean, you're a dust devil is the same thing, right? It's formed um, without a mesocyclone. I'm pretty sure it's formed without a cloud in general. Yeah. So. So. Now, and and I will say this: I know I'm ranting here, and you know, <laughs> some of the stuff that they are attributing to this are two gentlemen that I do respect. And I do respect Doctor Bloomstein a lot. I mean, he's just he is a cult guy for weather nerds, right? I mean, yeah. you look at his research, we know that, you know, he's come up with a lot of very important theories and they've been tested. They're tried and true. Well, one of the references to a land spout being as strong as an EF3 comes from Dr. Grave Forbes, who we all love and respect, who worked at the Weather Channel, was, you know, a very smart guy and knows the stuff. And then Dr. Roger Wakamoto, the father of tornadoes. So, you know, it's like... <sighs> I get it. There's no mesocyclone, so therefore, in theory, it cannot necessarily be a tornado. I, I, I that's confusing to a lot of people, and yeah. I don't think we need to confuse people. But that I, I agree with. That I understand. I get it. It's different, so I will leave it at that. And again, all due respect to the three wonderful men who have dedicated their lives to severe weather research. We appreciate you, and we thank you. Mm-hmm. And I will leave it at that. Hey, you know, you make a valid argument, so it's okay. Like you said, we all agree to disagree. We all, it's fine. Like, it's all good. It is. It is. And again, feelings. again, I, if it's a tornado, I mean, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, It's <laughs> it's got to be a duck, right? Well, let's be fair. Tornadoes don't quack, so. <laughs> <laughs> they also don't walk, but you know. The way to take my analogy and blow out of the water. Thanks, Bonnie. <laughs> That's funny. Blow it out of the water. Tornadoes, ducks. It's just all really like it, is. it all goes together. Like, you have no idea. You have no now, idea. Now, instead of thinking cows, when you think tornado, we're going to think ducks. <laughs> well, I am a University of Oregon duck, so I'm just I'm just saying it does kind of go there. <laughs> so uh, ducks are your thing. Yeah, one of them. I can actually talk to ducks. We discuss football theory all the time. It's fantastic. People look at me and look very weird. It's like, you don't get it. You're not a duck. You don't get it. So, uh, Bless your heart. Yes, I know. We are quite special up here in the Northwest. <laughs> it's all the rain we get. <laughs> yeah, right. The lack of sunshine. <laughs> More or less. Although it is very beautiful today. And yet I'll be walking around spending my time in a warehouse. Hmm. Hey, but you know what, though? You I'm might essential. be special and talk to... <laughs> well, that's good. But at least you know that... You know, you might be special over there talking right. to ducks, but right. you do know to not drink your Lysol products. That is I'm true. just going to leave it at that. that I'm not going to say anymore. I'm just leaving it at hey, that. You know what? You, you've heard of the new uh, Trump Health Martini, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Lysol on the rocks yep. with yep. a splash of sunshine. Yeah, exactly. And bam, no more coronavirus. <laughs> um, we, will not, we will not break that down today, although I think it would be absolutely quite hilarious to do that. But um, one thing to tie that back into weather models and stuff like this, there was an article last night, I want to say it was either on CNN or the Wall Street Journal, one of the two, talking about the ineffectiveness of computer modeling. And wow. I, and I just sat there, I was just like, oh, I was like, I, I have to read this, but I want to, <laughs> I had to pour myself a drink first. Right. You're like, I don't want to freak out while just, I read this. Just because. 
Um, and again, we know this for a fact. Models are not gospel. Thank you. I was trying right. to find the right word there. That that definitely works. <laughs> models are a computer simulation mm-hmm. based on all the available information at that time. Right. Okay. Models change. We see this. Go back and listen to any of our past, you know, 94 episodes or however many we've taped. And I guarantee you, especially pull up some of the stuff during the winter, because you and I like to rant and rave about how great models are when they change every six or 12 hours. Yep. Love it. The amount of available information that goes into a model dictates the outcome. Okay. Yep. The amount of information that goes into a health model is dictated by the amount of information coming into the health model. It's not a pure science. It's a mathematical calculation at its absolute lowest common denominator. Okay? Yes. When we break it down to a certain point, it's what information we have, and then we make an educated guess about what possibly could happen. Yes. Okay, and we will leave it at that. And if we need to dig up all of our her models right. and what actually happened and compare those up over the past several seasons, then I think we'll disprove that models are not reliable. Right, and there's a reason why you have people that strictly do model verification. Yeah. Right? It's a big part of, of the emerging weather industry, the, the weather communications field is how accurate are these models after we reach a certain time frame. Yeah. And the numbers are anywhere from 50% on the extreme bad side up into the 70s and maybe low 80s in terms of reliability. Okay. See, and that's excellent and definitely important in spring weather across right. the country. So, I mean, that's pretty high reliability. I would and Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm glad that there's people whose sole job is to do that, because then you know if one model is more reliable than another, you know if models need tweaking and updating, or if we need to just do away with one altogether, or, you know, that kind of thing. So, (laughs) shots fired. But I just, <laughs> but I just think that's that's really good, and that would actually be that sounds like a very interesting job, honestly. It does, and again, it's a mathematical calculation. You're having to look at all of the outputs of these models and verify temperature, uh, actual observed weather, um, you know, atmospheric dynamics that went into making this work or didn't work. So it is it is very fascinating, and you know, I say this as living. You know, in one of those regions of the world where we apparently we're in the top five hardest places to predict, you know, weather. I get it. I got a giant body of water um, less than 70 miles to my west. Okay. The Pacific Ocean. Last time I checked, there ain't a whole lot of buoys out there. And we're relying on maybe, you know, a handful of buoys and maybe Captain Ron and his ship report. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got a satellite picture. That's great. And yeah, I got two Doppler radars that monitor my coast. I'm trying to get a third one in. But even then, that's only going out 100 so miles. That's reliable. Yep. And that information gets fed into a model, and then they try to predict what's going to happen. It's not easy, folks. No. You know, and and like, like you said, especially with not enough data coming in, you just right? can't get a clear picture. 
right? And even if you have all the data coming in, it still does not mean you're going to get an accurate forecast every single time. I'll use you guys as an example. You know, Oklahoma City, you guys got a lot of data points between you and me to your west. At the surface. At the surface. And you look at upper air, you know, observations. You got a lot of flights, maybe not right now, but, you know, you got people feeding in information off of airplanes. Okay. That model gets ingested or that data gets ingested into a model. You're going to get at least probably between you and I, maybe 10 to 12 balloon launches. Okay. Oh, that's so not enough. <laughs> right. I don't know how many vertical profilers exist between you and I, but I'm guessing it's probably a handful. So at least you still have more information. Plus, you also know your general pattern. You know that in the springtime, you have all those data points to your south. You have all those data points to your north. You have a much clearer picture of what's coming than I do coming from the west. You can monitor all of your ingredients. I can't. I'm very limited to what I have from my points westward. North and south, I'm covered. East, absolutely. But weather doesn't come from my east all that often. But right? It, I don't think it comes from anybody's east all that often except for hurricanes. Right? Or it's coming around the backside of a low. Yeah. And I will say this. There are some times during the summer when we get in that, we get in like a, a heat low that pops up and moves up like the California coast into Oregon. And we get some thunderstorms that form over the Cascades and start to move from east to west, drift over into the, into the Willamette Valley. That's pretty awesome. Not going to lie. Because it's cool to see weather move from east to west. Pretty rare, but still really cool to see. Yeah. And it almost like freaks you out. And you're like, I, oh, it does. Is the world spinning the opposite direction? Like, what's happening here? Right. No, it totally is. But again, you know, we talk about models. We talk about... Also, when we got into a great tangent because, you know, of the Trump martini and yes, I do not drink Clorox or bleach or, you know, Windex. <laughs> Although, you know, again, if you watch my big fat Greek wedding, Windex solves everything. I kid you not. I did see a tweet that somebody said, I'm sure Windex kills the coronavirus. <laughs> see, so we have all this conflicting information. We don't know what's true. <sighs> I, don't, I, I, I really don't know who to believe anymore. I think I'm just going to rely on the Internet. Right. Because at least well, at this just point, just every get... morning take your shot of Germex and you'll be fine. Like, oh good lord. <laughs> Here's an idea. How about we wash our hands? How about we take our vitamins? Follow the advice of our doctors. Don't do anything stupid and just live life. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay. The coronavirus is a serious threat. We know that. However, yes. we're also trying to deal with it with the same idiots that thought taking the Tide Pod challenge was a cool idea too. <laughs> okay. That is also true. So you know what though? Survival of the fittest. Oh, that's not survival and... of the fittest, that is survival of the dumbest because you don't need to be ingesting that into your system. <laughs> hey, that just means some of us are mentally fit and know to not do some of this dumb crap that some people are doing. It's okay. Uh, we're gonna get off on a tangent here, but I'm gonna I'll, I'll, I promise we'll bring this back. It's like every four years, celebrity preaching at me, celebrities preaching at me to go out and vote. Got to vote, got to vote, got to vote, right? Okay, I get right. that. And then you come to find out, guess who didn't vote? The people telling us to. That's the <laughs> stuff that does piss me off. Okay? Yeah. Okay. If you're going to be out there selling a bag of goods, I want you to actually believe in selling the bag of goods. Don't just say to do it. Actually walk the walk. Okay? That is a good point. So, back to weather. Now that I've had my two tangents for the day, Bonnie, what would you like to rant about? <laughs> hey, you know what? I think my rants, you covered them. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair we're enough. good on the rants. <laughs> <laughs> so.
So again, we're finally into spring season. We're super stoked about that. Um, the coverage has been fantastic. Yes, you and I watched um, uh, David Payne from Oklahoma News Nine, and I will say this: I had a blast on the phone talking to Bonnie and live streaming this because I will say this: it only took about three minutes for my David Payne impression to come back, and I was nailing it, and I was super stoked. You were you were crushing the David Payne impressions. Um, so for someone who doesn't live around here, you you sure do got the lingo down for oh, sure. Oh, it, it, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm impressed. Y'all are fixing to have a storm. I'm just like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, he's talking my language again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we one. like to throw out the y'alls around here. As you boys. should. As you should. I kid you not, when I go to Nashville for country music stuff, I come back with a little bit of a Southern draw, and I say, y'all, a little bit more. Just saying. <laughs> and it takes some time for that to wear off. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, I was telling you about one of my bosses, a um, woman named Teresa. We won't get into you know, any more detail than that, but she grew up in and around Moore, Oklahoma. Yep. And Teresa moved out to Oregon to go to college at Oregon State. And slowly lost her Oklahoma accent. Well, when Teresa liked to drink, um, like at different events and stuff, we could tell how many drinks she's had based on the level of Oklahoma accent that came out. <laughs> That's and amazing. It, and it was fantastic. Because you, can, so you could take the girl out of Oklahoma, but you can't take the Oklahoma out of the girl. Just saying. Nope. It never really, <laughs> truly leaves. <laughs> So it was always fantastic because you knew when she started dropping y'alls and yeehaws that it was going to be a good night. <laughs> Things were getting real. Oh, yeah. But hands down, the best boss I've ever worked for. Just uh, really lucky to have worked with her and worked for her. And now she's a good friend. But, uh, yeah, it's always good times. I love my people from she Oklahoma. She took good care of y'all. Oh, she saying? did. She was such a just a great person. Just a great person. And it's great now when she goes back to visit her family and more. She'll take her husband who grew up in California. And he's just like, man, <laughs> there's nothing to do here. I was like, no, there's plenty of stuff to do there. Yeah, especially in the spring. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of action. Yeah. He was like, no, storm chasing doesn't count. I'm like, yes, it does. Oh, it totally counts. So I, I got to take Steve on a storm chase because I think he would thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know what he's missing, 100%. No, he, he does not. He does not. All right. Um, we've gotten way off, and that's okay. That's why we love B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast, because we talk about whatever we want. Exactly, exactly. We keep you all in the loop of all the things. Correct. Um, and again, shout out to Ron, our winner of the handheld anemometer. We heard from him finally. So, Woo. yeah, we will be getting that in the mail here with some stickers. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations. Look for that here in the next little bit. Um, I got to figure out when my post office reopens. I know it's open some hours, but I need to double check that. And we'll get that in the mail to him. But um, you guys mentioned you do have a possible threat of severe weather coming up. What do you guys have coming up for Oklahoma City? Um, so, yeah, we do have the two chances of severe weather. Um, the second chance looks better where half the state is in the slight risk right now. I do believe that's for Tuesday. So I'm just kind of hoping as we get closer to Tuesday, that gets bumped up a little bit, but we'll see. Um, other than that, nothing else really right now for the rest of the week. Um, we're into our spring temperatures, which is nice. So 70s, low 80s. I was in my car earlier, and the temperature said 81 outside, and oh. I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice that was really nice so 
We'll see. We'll see what severe weather holds for us this week. But this is our pattern now. It'll be a couple of chances every week of that severe weather. So spring's just starting. Fantastic. Ooh. Fantastic. I'm jealous. Well, it's a really beautiful day out here today. Uh, temperatures are going to creep towards 70. I don't think we'll get quite there, but they'll be up there. Uh, and then we come crashing back down into rain tonight through Monday and Tuesday, through Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. But we're just looking at chances between 20 and 50%, um, just kind of our, our showery weather. I do like that once we get a little bit out of April into May, that's one of our our little storm seasons where we get these little pop-up thunderstorms each and every day, which is great. But I love looking at the blue sky in between the towering cumulus clouds because it is so blue. Yes, it's like a very pure, perfect blue. It it's so nice. I agree. It's all the it's all the light reflecting off of the clouds, and you know the blue is just it's pristine, as you said. It doesn't get any better than that. Yes, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes, that sounds beautiful. You're gonna have to take some pictures for us. Yes, and by the way, Bonnie, you realize that May is five days away. Yeah. Yeah, which means my birthday is like 10 days away. Yes, we're going to celebrate for a whole month. What, what? <laughs> well, we're going to try anyways with everything oh, no, we will. shut down. <laughs> we, will. We, will. we will celebrate for a full month. You know, if we have to sing happy birthday to you every episode of B Squared, we will do that. Sweet. Yes. I'm down for that. Yes, so I'm sure people want to hear me sing. <laughs> I want to hear it. I'm sure you do. So, <laughs> yeah, we are excited. Um Gosh, I need to look at the calendar. Do we have any more April? I don't think we do. No, we don't have any more April shows. So Nope. Nope. This Friday is May the 1st. So It is. So, yeah, we'll be talking to you all again in in May. May. Holy crap. The year has flown by. May 3rd, actually, which is a huge uh, anniversary. So that'll be something fun to talk about. 99, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. So that's what, 20, 21 years? Oh, my gosh. Nah, yeah, 99. Yeah, 21 years. Wow, 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 wow. So something to look forward to next week, guys. We're not going to get into it now. but Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> you know, we might have to find our favorite moments of uh, on YouTube for that and play that on the show because I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, there is some good coverage out there for May 3rd, 99. Uh, so. Was our boy out chasing May 3rd, 99? Yes. Perfect. Yes, he was for Channel 4. Perfect. All right. And then uh, I'm sure that we'll have to get some Gary England coverage on there because i know that you know he was he was big on that all the tv stations were so yeah we'll yeah to, we'll and to... i mean there's incredible video you know like we talked about before like you know a couple of months ago when i was on my tangent of rewatching oh, yeah. all these coverages that we were getting picture and video back while they were chasing but it took time it was very um right. pixelated and very oh, yeah. you know not very clear so we're spoiled now we are with the streaming that we get coming back live while they're chasing. So that's a little bit hard to adjust to when you're spoiled by the better technology. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, sports fans. <laughs> but it's so interesting. Yeah, sports fans are seeing that now with all these replay of these classic games, like, you know, blurred graphics and, you know, screens that aren't filling the screen. And it's just, <laughs> it's very interesting to see how technology has changed. And we have talked about that on the show a little bit, but uh, yes. you're right. Uh, so, yeah, so May 3rd will be interesting. Um, we will be taping our show on May 3rd, so one week from today will be our May 3rd 99 Tornado Special. There we go. We just planned the show without actually planning the show. <laughs> see, Perfect. there you go, guys. Something to look forward to next week. So we'll see you all right back here yes. for a really good anniversary show. Hey, look at you with the Ford Promote. 
<laughs> very proud of you. Very proud of you. Well, as she said, it has been a fantastic edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And yes, apparently we will be back with you May 3rd next week to talk about the May 3rd, 1999 tornado. Yes, we will. See you then. <laughs>